Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Steve Young. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, we're excited to have you. <laughs> uh, Steve is a business owner, a podcaster also, and an online marketing expert. Uh, he's the founder of App Masters. Uh, they're a mobile growth hacking agency, and we'll get into what the heck that means. Uh, he's a contributor to entrepreneur.com as well as other top uh, publications and is an app marketing expert. Uh, he has a portfolio of over 50 apps himself. Uh, he's the host of Mobile Growth Hacking Podcast. And Steve uh, firmly believes in learning, executing, and teaching. And hopefully he'll do some of that with us today here on this episode. So, we're going to dive into Steve's entrepreneurial journey, how he got to where he is today, and he's going to share some tips and advice on starting and growing a business. So this is not about apps, although we will touch on that, but for our listeners, really, regardless of the type of business you're looking to start or that you currently have, he's got some great insights on how to do that and how to grow a business, and so we're going to dive into that. Steve lives in the San Francisco Bay Area in California, and so Steve Young, once again, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. Woo. We're excited. Quite an yeah. intro. Are you tired? <laughs> well, that was brief compared to some of the ones that are right, but yeah, you know, it just depends okay. on kind of the situation. But you've got you've got a great background. Have you uh, always lived in the Bay Area? I have. I grew up. Well, I was actually born in Miramar, Burma, and then I moved here when I was six, and I've been in the Bay Area ever since. Wow, Miramar, Burma. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. So your parents immigrated at that time, or what yeah. was the story? Okay. Yeah, there was a huge, it was a military dictatorship, so they decided to, it's crazy, Henry, because, you know, my aunt was the first one, and she was in Philadelphia and everything else, and then because she was the first one that came over, we were able to come too, and that is something that I'm completely grateful for, yeah. you know, starting my own podcast, you hear like, oh, you're in the Bay Area, that's so great, like, and you're in the U.S., like, that's so great, and then that just was something that 
my parents did. You know, like I had no control over that. So for that, I'm always grateful to yeah. be in this great country. No, I, I, I understand it and appreciate it. My parents uh, fled Fidel Castro from Cuba. I wasn't born at the time. In fact, they met in Miami, but uh, obviously similar, similar background. When you're an immigrant, you have that perspective that's uh, unique. But Many, many generations before us have gone through the same experience coming to this exactly. country, uh, which is yeah. which we're grateful to be here. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, I usually like to start around college time frame. It looks like you <laughs> studied uh, managerial economics. I don't even know what that is. Did I get that right? And what is that? Yeah, it's just business. I, okay. So I studied business. I actually went into college go, thinking I would want to be a chemistry major because I just crushed high school chemistry. But then once I got to college, I was like, whoa, this is a lot harder than... <laughs> Yeah, like high school. So I knew that back then this was so I graduated 98 high school and I knew back then that, you know, the technology like Google was just starting all these like tech firms. So I definitely knew that my business background, I sold cassette tapes when I was 12 years old. I wanted to be in business and I knew with technology coming up, I didn't feel like I was smart enough to be like a CS computer science major. So I minored in computer science and I majored in business and and that I think that balance of learning how to code and knowing the basics of technology helps me with whatever I'm trying to do, yeah, like right. any business idea. But interestingly, if I got it right, you went into yeah. web development initially right out of college. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, it was we. So I went to right out of college. I found a, a job and I literally got this job. This is 2003 time frame. And it was, it was a hard time trying to get a job as a new graduate. Mm -hmm. And this job opening I saw and I said, oh, that's right down the street. I'm just gonna drop off my resume. Like I'm gonna go there and just drop it off. And so I went there and I dropped it off and I, there, that was one of the big reasons why they wanted to hire me because I took the initiative to drop off the resume. But at that job, we were an e-commerce type of site where we sold computer parts and I helped with managing the e-commerce site. We started an email marketing campaign back in the day and just running the different marketing aspects of that. So really cool job, got paid nothing, peanuts, <laughs> and worked a lot of hours and I stuck with it for nine months and I just said, forget this, I gotta quit. But yeah, that, that was a very valuable lesson because I got to work really hard for little money, but got to really do a lot of different things within the company. Yeah, learned a lot, I'm sure. And so then you, you also kind of had, I, I wanna call it a side business, but I'm not yes. sure, the, the decal was. happy business, right? Yeah, it was okay. phenomenal. Like, so at the job, I started noticing that people were putting stickers. They're creating these computers that had a clear wall, so you could see inside of them, and they had all these like cool little wires. They were like really, they're modding the computers, computer modding, and these stickers that we were selling a crap load, Henry. And I said, wow, that's cool, and we're all buying it from one source. So I decided to start a decal business where. It was more for the techie side of things like Intel. You had these cool little logos, but I wanted to be the second source. I was like, There's, we're all buying it from this one guy in Colorado. I wanted to be the second guy. And so that was the idea for Decal Happy. We, I started the company just at my parents' house because I was still living at home at the time. I bought this huge little printer and I got my first sale just because I was ranking really well for Spider-Man decal, Superman decal, these type of search terms. And that's how I was starting to get sales. But it was it was a really fun experience and something I look back on that I wish rather than finding a job, because after that I went looking for a job a couple of months later while still doing this. And I said, why did I do that? Because it's not like my parents were like pushing me to go find a job. They saw me in the living room, like making stickers and like actually doing work. <laughs> 
And my dad even said, hey, you know, why don't you do what you do best and you just teach me how to make those stickers and I'll do that for you because I'm pretty good at, if you give me a set of directions, I'll just execute on them. And nobody pushed me to find another job and I wish I just stuck with it and became the number two or figured out a way to become the number two supplier rather than finding another job and not really making anything out of decal happy. Right, so, so why did you feel compelled to have to go get a job? I just felt like that was the right thing to do. Like I, maybe at the time I felt like it was, I was still learning, I was still young at the time, and I was still learning, didn't feel like I knew enough. And so, yeah, I just felt like maybe that's what I had to do. That was the right thing to do. Yeah. And that, there's a great point there in that there was a lot of learning yet to do. When you look back at it now, do you think that's still the case? I mean, you, maybe you kind of answered it a moment ago, but <laughs> would you have done it differently? Would you still have taken that route to the corporate world for a period of time to learn? Well, Henry, I know that it's hard to, and I try not to live with regrets. I think if I was looking back on it, that's why I tell my younger self when there, when I do meet, you know, really young people who have this side hustle thing going, I said, look, you have nothing to lose, you know, like go for it. I wish I went for it. I don't okay. regret not going for it because I learned so much and especially yeah. my last job that I ever had. I use a lot of what I've learned at that job to really growth hack. And we'll get into this, the app space. And so I don't regret that that's, that's just my story. But if I were talking to somebody else who really want to stick with it, I'd say, stick with it. You got nothing to lose. Give yourself a year or two and make yourself, give yourself a time deadline that you're going to make this work or else you're going to find a job. And that will push you to like really making this work. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's take it a step further. Do you feel sure. like you use anything that you learned in college and i don't i don't mean that as a you know <laughs> i'm looking for any particular answer i'm always curious as to how you think the college what you learned in college if it applies and are you leveraging that in what you do today not really not really at all i think i mean even the funny story is i failed this database class that i had to take because i was minoring in cs and i failed it like i had no idea what they were talking about tables rows like all this stuff i had no idea and then because I wanted to learn PHP, I was interning at a on campus and one of the guys that I was working with was like a hard code developer. So I was like, hey dude, can you teach me how to code? Like teach me PHP, teach me MySQL, like teach me all this stuff. I wanna build a website for my softball team because we keep tracks. We could track the stats and I wanna just build this website and pull it from the database. And he taught me all this stuff, right? And so I built this like database, I had a player table, a games table. Like I understood all this stuff, right? And went back to take that class. And I was like, this is so easy. Like, this is stupid, <laughs> right? Like, this is so easy. But they didn't, you know, like they didn't speak my language. Yeah. They didn't say, hey, look, if you were trying to build a softball, you know, like a website or whatever you're trying to like, anything that we're passionate about, they didn't relay that. But when I went back to take the class, I was like, this is so easy. I get everything now, like relational daily databases, pulling SQL queries. I understood everything already because I built a website that tr kept track of softball stats. Like yes. not, not making money, but I learned a whole lot. So let me ask you this. Do you think that having the degree has helped you as far as opening doors, opportunities? Uh, obviously it, it probably got you these jobs that you had that you learned from, but as far as in business goes, do you, ha do you see any value from having the degree? No. I think it, it's, it depends on the per person. Like some people are made for the nine to five. Some people, even though they have this like entrepreneurial, I wanna do this, I would say to that person, if you haven't done it yet, 
you might never do it and just use that job to fuel your fire. Meaning that's what I did at my last last job. I knew I wanted to be in business and I just said, Hey, this is, there's this different project. Like, can I do that? Like, can I work on this? Can I help you with PR? Like, can, you know, like I just asked for more and more different responsibilities just so I can learn from it. And they love that. Right. And so I think, for those who are like, want to become a lawyer or a doctor, you got to go to school. For those who want to be a, in business, I don't think you necessarily need to go to school for that because I've got a couple of kids, Henry, and I'm like, my wife and I are kind of like, uh, they don't probably need college. I mean, we'd love for them to have it just to fall back on. But at the same time, like if you already knew that this is what you want to be and you're already hustling out there, then it might not be, it's not the right fit for everybody. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I have mixed emotions and, and opinions about it as well. We have just one daughter and she's a freshman in college. So nice. I've struggled with that. She's studying business. But again, it's it's one of those things. I almost want her to, <laughs> I want her to have it as a plan B, if you will. But it's but it really do you need a plan B if you're really going to strike out and be an entrepreneur? It's just a difficult topic. Um, and she will have fun, right? Like I did. Absolutely. Have fun. Yeah, she is having so it was fun. Good to There's get no that doubt out. about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And the social aspects of it, all of that is very valuable, I think. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. One of the stints you had was at Walmart that caught my attention. You were doing yeah. search engine marketing there. And the reason I wanted to touch on that a moment is obviously a huge corporation. My question to you is this, that did you observe or take away anything that they, they do a large, huge corporation like that when it comes to, you know, digital marketing in particular that we can take away and apply to a small business? I think planning. I mean, that was the biggest thing. You know, we had multi-million dollar budgets that I was managing and it was crazy because I was probably 25 at the time and I was like, what am I doing with all this money? <laughs> and it was just the planning part, right? Like we talked about it. Hey, how are we spending? Can we reallocate some money? How can you scale it? I think the biggest lesson, lesson I've learned and something that I've used in my business now is they weren't afraid big companies aren't afraid to spend money if they can make money, right? And I think for me, I always wanted, because of my journey, I started a podcast, that podcast built up an audience, the audience started coming to me for marketing help, and then I built out an agency out of it. Because of that, I was like, oh, you know, like I don't really need to spend money on advertising, but the biggest lesson that I'm taking it, implying in 2017 is, hey, spend a little bit of money. If you can spend a dollar, make two, you spend that dollar every single day of the week. Because my mentality was always like, I don't need to spend money. I'm going to growth hack this thing. I'm going to figure out a way to make money without spending money. And I think that's just the wrong way of thinking about it. In the beginning, maybe when you have no money, that's what you should do. But once you're ready to scale, you definitely have to spend a little money. Yeah, that's great advice. I think we look at it once we get past your point about we don't have the money. But once we have some money, we look at it as an expense as opposed to a large organization like Walmart looks at it as an investment. And they right. will track to see that that actually produces or they move on to something else. All right, so around 2010 or 2010, you founded App Masters. So tell us about that. What would led you to then starting your own business at that point? So it was still something I did on the side. I mean, I called it App Masters, but I it was around the time when I wanted to start creating apps. So I was like, hey, my my son was starting to play with apps. I was like, I could, that guy could do this. Let me let me try this. He's playing educational games. I was like, I want to I want to do that. So I want to at least if I <laughs> nothing happens out of it, I have one customer, my son, because I'm gonna force him to play it, right? Yeah. And so and he'll, started, he'll be able to tell the kids in the playground, hey, my dad made this app. <laughs> I know he didn't even care, Danny. It wasn't that cool. <laughs> <laughs> he he, played, he looked at it. I was like, hey, here, why don't you try this? He looked at it, eh. swiped a little bit, and then pressed the home button. He's like, uh, next on, let me uh, go. Back. Harsh. <laughs> <laughs> but that first half actually did a lot, did really well. We we launched it and did no marketing. 
did hit number eight under educational games like the first couple of days upon its launch. And this was back in the early days, right, where apps just got traction just because you had an app out there. But just did this on the side. I was actually working for a startup in San Francisco and just doing this on the side. I mean, there are times when I would just wake up really early. Like one point I was like starting to not create as many apps. So I would wake up at 5 a.m., code a little bit and tell my wife, hey, you know, I'm gonna work from five to six. So if he wakes up, can you just do stuff with him? She's like, okay, sure, yeah. And so I did that. And then there are other times when I used to take a train into the into work and I would just code on the train and I would just, that's all I was doing. Like I would be standing up and literally like coding rather than sitting down or if I could find a seat, I would sit and then code. But if there, yeah, if I had to stand and code, I would do that too. And so that was just something I did on the side. And then fast forward a couple, couple of years later, I decided that I wanted to finally make a commitment and turn this at side app business into a real business. And I started a podcast interviewing some of the best app creators in the world. And so through that built up an audience and then the audience started coming to me. So that in 2004, end of 2013, I left my startup job and then ran my own business full time. Wow. So, so tell us about that. At that point, you felt you had enough of a business here, had, had something yeah. going that you could take that leap. Uh, what were your think, what was your thinking back then? Was it a stressful point in time or were you ready? Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a great question. And 2013, so my daughter was born in 2013 too. So we now have two kids and it wasn't, so my wife had her own business as well. And it, at 2013, it was starting to be a point where I was starting to make a little bit of money, nothing replacing my income, okay? Nothing replacing my income. I just said, you know what? This is the time. So what's funny, Henry, was like, I listened to EO Fire, Entrepreneur on Fire, John Lee Dumas, and during that, like, I was like, what, this show, like, why is he asking the same questions to everybody? It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but then when you listen to like 20 in a row, so I listened to about like, I don't remember the exact number, but five or 10 in a row. I said, let me just give this show a chance early on. And he'd asked like really famous entrepreneurs, like what was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? And he said, fear. I was like, I'm not afraid. You know, I was side hustling. Like I sold cassette tapes. I had this decal business. I've just like, been a go-getter. Like, I'm not afraid of a running in business. And then I said, then why, you know, I asked myself, like, why haven't you started a business then? I was like, oh, maybe I am afraid then. So I started really thinking through that. 2013, I made a commitment. And I, John, when John opened up a mastermind that said, hey, I'm bringing some entrepreneurs on, I'm starting this mastermind. And I kind of heard about what a mastermind was. So I'm joining, fine. Here's, here's my credit card, I'm paying for it. And through that mastermind, I started meeting people who were in the similar boat as me side hustling, been side hustling for days. And then they started saying, I'm quitting my job. Hey guys, I set a date, I told my boss, I'm quitting a job. And this was a private Facebook group. And I just started seeing a bunch of people posting that. I was like, wow. I think I gotta do it. I gotta do it, this is the right time. So my wife's business was starting to roll. Like it was start. it could probably support us. I was like, okay, perfect, that's there. And I, I said, look, I have a little bit of audience. People are starting com coming to me for help. I think I can do this, like, let's quit. And so it was because of the community and because of the audience I built that finally gave me the courage because I was afraid, didn't realize it, to finally leave. And that first year was brutal. Like, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, how I was gonna make money, but they taught me some real valuable lessons on everything. And yeah, so it wasn't like this, hey, everything's said, why don't you go? It was just, you. You had faith that it would work, and then it's worked. And so we've had some phenomenal success. We've doubled sales ever since then. Yeah, it's fantastic. So when you started, were you by yourself, or did you have yeah. any partners? No, it's all it's all me. Yeah. 
And so the funding of it, obviously you did a lot of bootstrapping as you were building it as a side hustle. Did you need any, you know, infusion of funds in that first year to get it up and running full time? No, I mean, I, I relied on the audience coming to me and then I had a client that hired us for that hired me actually, I shouldn't say <laughs> it was just me at the time, but that hired me for some help with their marketing. And so they were making up half my income, which sort of replaced it. So the first three months I did replace my full-time job. But then after like that third month, they said, Hey man, we can't afford you anymore. We're not to let you go. So boom, I lost wow. half my income and no idea where it was going to come from. And so it was just going out there, trying a bunch of different things, figuring it out. And Henry, like when I quit, I didn't think I was going to be running an agency. Like that was, I grew up in the Bay Area. That stuff doesn't scale. You're supposed to build a technology company, right? right. And so I, I didn't think that I would be doing the agency. I love doing the agency now, but I was still trying to find my way. And so it was really investing in people and meeting different people that I'm like, what's working right now? Oh, in 2013, like, well, I'm getting a little bit of client work. And I'm like, I need to make money. So why don't I just focus on the client work and really knock it out of the park? And so that's what I did. And that took me like 18 months to really decide that, all right, I'm going all in on this client work. And ever since I made that decision, we've done phenomenally well. When you look back now, what what was really the source of that fear? What was the fear about? You know, it was probably fear of failing. Like you, I kept a lot of, you know, I wrote this article about if you're a side hustler, you're not really an entrepreneur. And it's this going through that first year of like really trying to figure things out and banging my head against the wall and not quitting. Like you don't get that in a side business. You're like, oh, this is not working. Uh, all right, I'm just going to move on to the next thing. And that's how most, you know, side businesses start and fail. Like they just, ah, it's not working. Nobody's buying. When it's your real business, you're like, this has to work. How do I make it work? Not, it's not working. No, why is it not working? Let me figure out and make it work. And so that's why I think I was afraid because I always did things on the side and that gave me the comfort that I was actually doing stuff and I was a hustler, right? Gave me like, there's a lot of action going on, but not a lot of movement towards actually becoming an entrepreneur. Just a lot of action. Yeah, it's like you have a safety net when you have that. Exactly. But let's segue into that because that's such a, a key point for me. I, I heard you talk about that in a, in a podcast episode and I found it compelling. So, so explain this to me, your, your philosophy and your thought, even though as you've just talked about, you've done the side hustle because of various reasons. But you say that if you're doing a side hustle, you are not really an entrepreneur. Explain that to me if you would. I just don't think you have the, yes, you have a quote unquote business. So I want to take it back a little bit. If you're side hustling and your main goal is to become an entrepreneur, then you're not really an entrepreneur. You're going to have to make that jump soon. That's what I want to get across with that. If you're side hustling because you're like, hey, I have this great business or I have a great job. This is just something I like to do on the side. Great. That's no problem, right? But if you're on like, hey, I'm a side hustler and I used to call myself an entrepreneur. I would hear this term entrepreneur. I'm like, that's not me. I'm doing stuff, man. I'm doing stuff. And so my thing is, look, you're not going to scale. One is because you're not taking it seriously. It's something you're just making income on and you're just letting it go, right? Two, you're going to drive yourself crazy. That's what I did when I was doing apps on, when I was building my build, business on the side was I was working from like, you know, 9 p.m. to 12 a.m., 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and then going to my full-time job and being really grouchy. So that stuff doesn't work. You there's just not enough time in the day to do that. I think with that, I just want to say like, and you don't have that fire to make this work. With a side hustle, it can fail and you won't care because quote unquote, you're calling it 
on the side, right? Once you're real business, you're going to make it work. So that's why I feel like it's just the, all the elements of a real business isn't there. You're not going to figure out how to make this work and you're not going to try to scale this beyond you if you're just putting it on the side. So my, my whole reasoning for putting that together was, hey, if you're side hustling, have the courage to finally leave. Because there are stats out there that say if you start a business on the side and you turn it into a full-time business, you're less likely going to fail. And I, that's what I've experienced too. So if you're side hustling, don't trick your mind into thinking that you're actually an entrepreneur like I did. You're going to have to take the jump. Understand that you might be afraid of taking the jump, but once you take the jump, everything is going to be fine because you are making money and you are doing this on the side and you figured out some things. So you're way ahead of other people who are just saying, Hey, I'm going to start a business with nothing. So you're going to have to take that jump. So Steve, I, I can't disagree with you on any of that, but what about the scenario where financially we have no choice, but to start something on the side to get it started, to bootstrap it because we cannot financially let go of our job, let's say, and we have no choice but to start it on the side. What, what do you say to that? I'm saying that's great. So like, I think people have misconstrued this in a little bit. I say, I'm not saying that you shouldn't start a side hustle business. What I got sick of seeing was seeing everybody talk about side hustle. You're talking about side hustle because it's your side hustle and you're not actually doing anything to become a real entrepreneur. I'm saying if you have to take it slow, take it slow, do it on the side, but then know that there has to come a point in time that you're gonna have to figure out if you wanna be an entrepreneur, to turn the side hustle into a real thing. And you're gonna have to take the leap. If you just keep it on the side forever, you're not really an entrepreneur. Yeah, no, I'm right? with you, I'm with you. And I think what happens at a certain point in time when it's no longer a real financial reason, it's a crutch, it's, how, it's what we're using to cover up the real issue, which is the fear that we have of going and failing. Yeah, and Henry, I'm gonna take this another way because here's what I've learned too. So I'm gonna get open and honest with you. 2013, we're doing fine, but my wife is pushing me a lot. And I would, she was always pushing me. Like, why aren't you making money? Why aren't you making money? What's going on, right? And we're doing fine, okay? Everything was being paid. All the bills were being fine. And I love her for this. At the time, I hated her for this. <laughs> but now looking back on it, I love her for this. But it's like, if you push yourself, like for me, I was like, we're doing fine. Like, I'm gonna figure this out. We're doing fine. But I didn't have that fire to like figure it out. And I was still applying for jobs. And I was trying to figure it out. I had this agony, like, how am I gonna do this? I was doing a lot of things. So that's probably why I was fighting with her at that time, I was like, look, I'm trying a lot of different stuff. I'm not sure what's gonna work yet. But I would dare say that like, people make too many excuses about like, what's not working, I don't have it financially. Look, hustle, side hustle harder then, right? Like, figure out a way. And different mindsets have shifted everything in my businesses. One, focus on top line sales, right? You can always make more on the bottom line by cutting things in the middle. If you don't need them anymore, cut them. But if you can focus on top line sales, you're learning, you're doing things that most people don't know how to do. That's make money, right? That's the one thing. And I think the other thing is so many people in, are like want, there's always all this, oh, I got to do this. They make excuses for different things. Look, my parents came to this country with nothing. They didn't want to do their job. They didn't want to do any of this stuff that they did. My dad didn't even want to learn English, but he had to learn English, right? And so there's all these excuses that we make for ourselves when we've been given the biggest gift. You, you're in this great country. 
where entrepreneurship, capitalism is actually promoted and really fostered, stop making excuses for yourself. This is a great time. And we live in an age where you and I can start this podcast, grow up an odd, grow an audience, and then turn that into a real business. There's way too many excuses we're making for ourselves. No, couldn't agree with you more. Well said. And I think it also, your wife played an important role as somebody who pushed you, but also I suspect yes. you got a lot of that from the mastermind group with John D. Loomis, uh, John, John D. John Lee Dumas. John Lee Dumas. I'm, I'm also a podcast paradise graduate, by the way, so I'm oh, well, cool. well familiar that's with this stuff. But that you you needed that, and that's I think an important takeaway as well is that sometimes we need that. We need someone to push us to take that leap. Yep, agreed. And that's why I loved her for it because it's like if she didn't keep pushing me, I might not have done it. And now I don't need that push, and now I continue to want to push it, but I needed that push in the beginning. Yeah. This is Henry Lopez co-host of the How of Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? Perhaps you need help understanding and overcoming your fears. Maybe you're not entirely sure about what it really takes to be ready, willing, and able to become your own boss. My online program is about helping you take the first critical steps towards realizing your dreams of entrepreneurship. I will take you step-by-step step through a process that will help you determine if you are in fact ready to be your own boss and specifically identify what you need to do next. To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. All right, so you've touched on the podcast. The podcast came after you were already uh, starting with your business, right? And you, you thought it would be a great marketing tool as well as sharing knowledge, of course. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be successful at the end of the day. Um, and that's worked well for you in building an audience and a following that then leads to business. Is that correct? So I want to, I saw that on your little answer question sheet. Thank you for sending that along. No. So I didn't come at it with that. And I think too many people come at podcasting with that mentality. I came at with the podcast. I said, Hey, I want to do a podcast because I really enjoy listening to it. I didn't know what I wanted to do it on because I didn't want to do a general business one. I just felt like there are too many of that. So I said, what am I going to do it on? And I was like, oh, I have this app business. Why don't, why don't I just try to learn from people to hopefully then turn my app business into a real business? So I came at it not as a marketing thing whatsoever. I was like, I'm going to learn from people, and that's all I'm going to do. And right now, you know, I hate I hate this question. Sorry, Henry. But when people say like, oh, you know, your podcast must be a great marketing tool. Yeah, it is. But it is because I don't think of it like that. I think of it as just – my way of being to meet some really cool people, talk to them, and then pick their brain about things that I'm struggling with. And so that's usually the questions I ask. It's whether I've heard it from my audience or something that I might be struggling with. So in the early days, you can hear me talk about PR, app launches, how do you do all that? Now, today, if you listen to it, you're gonna hear me talking about scaling, how do you build a team, culture, all this stuff. My questions have completely changed to now where I'm at with my business. And so that's how I see my podcast. I get to meet some really amazing people. Great if it's a marketing tool, but I don't see it as that at all. I'm just here to learn and connect through the podcast. 
Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I, I think I started the podcast really with the idea that we would build an audience that then we would have something to offer to. But uh, again, as we learned from, from our early sources, other people who came before us, we learned enough to know that you got to give in order to receive. And so you have to share that knowledge. The thing to your point that's been, I wouldn't say surprising, but really enjoyable is when I get a great guest like yourself, I, I feel like I learned. I feel like it was a conversation where I benefited and it's fantastic. I hopefully my audience benefits from it as well. So it really is a win-win for everybody if it's done right in my experience. Completely agree. And I think that's all I want to get across too. Cause I think a lot of times I, I had a, there's other podcasts that launch around the same time as me. They were in the app space. They're no longer around, but what I, the mistakes that I saw from them were, you know, they were using it as a marketing channel. They're like, Hey, let me talk about myself. Let me walk you through this journey. Well, I think that's interesting. I don't think it's that interesting if you have no name for yourself. So I think it's more interesting if you can really talk to some people who have made it in whatever space you're trying to conquer and just try to learn from them. It's just like me trying to grab coffee with the founder of Crossy Road, but instead everybody else gets to hear it as well. And that's pretty much it. So why do you go on other shows like this one and uh, use that to, to what? To share your knowledge obviously is a great advantage, but what else do you, why do you take the time? Because it's valuable yeah. time you could be spending running your business, right? Right. So obviously I want to grow my audience. I want to make my brand. So I'm not going to lie to you about that. Right? Like there's obvious, I want to leverage your audience and hopefully get my name out there. That's the underlying, but I don't come at it that one, I get to meet you, Henry. I love meeting other podcasters. So again, same with my podcast Two, I want to motivate people. And I love that you brought up the side hustle so that if, if there is somebody in the audience who's going to get something out of this and say, you're right, Steve, I'm making too many excuses. I got to go out there and just do it. And Henry, if you get all the credit for it in the world, like, oh, I just, I don't know who said it, but I remember hearing on Henry's podcast, some guy's like, he's going on fire about making too many excuses. And he's, and, I, and then because of that, I did that. That's it. That's a huge win for me. I, I found out that I'm a much better cheerleader than a leader. So I'd rather be the silent cheerleader than anything else. So if you give credit to Henry, the listener who's listening right now about like inspiring, being inspired after this episode and doing whatever it is because of something I said, I don't care. That's a huge win for me. Yeah, no, I love that. I think the other thing that we get from it, I suspect for you is the case as well, is I'm the type of person that I'm passionate about business. I can talk yes. about business all day long. <laughs> In fact, yes. my wife will tell me stop already, right? So that's why I listen to other business podcasts. That's that's in part what I get out of it is when, when I'm finished with the podcast usually, and I know it will be with this one, I feel energized because yes. I just love talking about this stuff. Yeah, and and again, to your point, if, if somebody listening takes something away and it inspires them, fantastic, right? That's, that's, that's fantastic if that happens. So talking about time and time commitments, what, what do you focus on mostly now on a day-to-day -day with your business? It's so, I mean, it could, depends. It's, it's really sales for me. I think now we've got a team of five people and now what I've learned through hiring is is this person helping me do what I re am really good at and so today is the day where I have from let's say nine to six it's all calls and I even have lunch meeting so that's my little break even though I prefer to do it by myself but somebody wanted to get lunch with me it's like fine so now I'm just it's just all calls with potential clients or just people who are who need advice so that's what I've done is just block out 
how, I, how do I deliver content in a really scalable fashion that really adds to the top line? So that's what I'm here for. Like that's, that's what I'm good at, focusing on top line, and that's pretty much it. So anything that adds to the top line is what I'm focused on. And are you pretty good, it sounds like, Steve, then at time blocking, at, at, yeah. at managing your schedule? Yeah. So Henry, like my wife and I, we love freedom, balance. So usually today is my full day of work. Yesterday I only worked from 9 to 12. Well, actually 8.30 to 12 because I had to pick up my daughter and then the rest of the afternoon I was watching our two kids. So that's how we balance. Because of that crazy schedule that we decided to put on upon ourselves, I have to be really efficient. And what I found is I love doing calls, but I hated them because I would always go up to whatever schedule the person that wanted to talk to me for. Right. I was like, oh, okay, all right, all right, I'll do it on your time. I'll do it on your time. Like that drove me nuts. And I, it, revelation again, I was like, oh, you know what? I only do podcasts one day a week and I do about four or five. And then that's become scalable. That's how I'm able to do, continue doing podcasts, 500 episodes in. Oh, why don't I do calls that way? Duh. So I mark <laughs> off one day of the week to do all calls. So that day I'm dressed comfortably. I'm in the mindset that I can't do any work, real work. I just have to deliver value to potential clients or people who just need advice. And that's all I'm here to do. This is a value day. Yeah, I love that. Great takeaway. All right. Um, I want to go back to then, as I mentioned in the bio, you say that your business is a mobile growth hacking agency. <laughs> so explain a little bit more what that means to us who are not in the app business. Yeah. So I guess that's why I put it there because I had that in there and people are like, I don't get what the heck you do. <laughs> but the funny thing is for people who do get it, like that's why I hired you. And so I said, forget it. Like, and this is sort of like listening to people, right? Listening to your audience. Cause I went to Pat Flynn's and Chris Ducker's one day business breakthrough. And I had that and they were like analyzing my website. Like, what does that even mean? And I was like, ah, oh, you're right. I should change it. But I'm like, you're not even my audience, dude. And so, but we'll, I mean, growth hacking is a term that we use in the Bay area where it's like a marketer, but that has like a technical skill. So they figure out like clever ways of really figuring out how to get scale, you know, growth traction for your for any business right and so I, that's why i put that in there because a lot of i have heard from my clients that said you know you got me interested because you, you said you're a growth hacker and so that's why i make sure that i leave it in there but essentially it's the marketer who can do things with maybe a little bit more technical skill and who can figure out more clever ways than just being like i'm gonna buy the search ad or i'm gonna put this facebook book but like oh i'm gonna use emojis in my subject line or i'm gonna scrape Right. I think a lot of growth hackers talk about scraping and get really excited about things. That's like me. I'm going to scrape this website and I'm going to grab some email addresses and I'm going to cold email them. And this cold email is going to have some emojis in it and it's going to have these clever subject lines. And then I'm going to get them to a landing page and then blah, blah, blah. So that's how I think of marketing and when you're talking about growth hacking. So that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I was just yeah, I was thinking there and I was visualizing <laughs> that last part of it as like interesting approach. But my question is that these these techniques and the strategies that you apply to help um, online businesses, app developers and so forth, who I think make up the, your target clientele, how do you see that those things apply to any type of small business? What are some of those takeaways? Yeah. So here's here's one that I love talking about cold emailing. So I can talk about all that in tapes. But one thing, Henry, is for small business owners who want to get in front of their audience, right? One thing that you can do is if you Google Google this scraping with Google Docs, you can actually. So what we did was we scraped Yelp, and we got a bunch of different websites. You know, let's say I was going after restaurants. I scraped Yelp. I looked up like Asian restaurants because I'm Asian. Asian restaurants, and then I put like Chinese restaurants. Here's what I want. 
scrape all their websites through Yelp using a Google Doc, okay, a Google spreadsheet. You can scrape all that information and then now have the websites. Now I can use another tool called Scrapebox, put websites into that tool and it will find email addresses for me from that, right? But you can figure out email addresses too, right? So if I was trying to pitch you, Henry, I might go, all right, it's probably Henry at Levante. Did I say that right? Yes. Businessgroup.com. I'm just going to guess that. And then you could use another tool called Reportive that if I scroll, hover over your email, Reportive will show me a picture if you've linked it up to LinkedIn and all that stuff or even Google Docs. It'll show me a picture like, I got it. Here's how I'm going to reach out to Henry. Here's how I'm going to come onto his podcast. So there are different tools out there that allow you to like pretty much scale your business. You know, a lot of times I think we focus too much on things that scale when we can do things that don't scale. So you can reach, you know, you can do some cold email and be like, hey, you know, I've, I want to deliver value to you, but I have your email address. Let me try to figure out how to deliver value to you with this so, email address. So Steve, I'm one of those guys, though, that I absolutely do not respond almost purposefully to a cold email. Is, and I, am I in the minority? Yes, I think so. And I think it's because the cold emails suck, right? I think we got, we got in touch because of a cold email. Right or no? Uh, you, uh, that's a good question. Very possibly. I think when I was doing the research, you might have submitted an email through my website, but that's what I think, right? So I have somebody else who's doing PR on my behalf now, and she got in touch with you. But I'll tell you, Henry. It I got, might, it might I, have been a cold email, to your point. I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Even if it wasn't, like, we got on TechCrunch <clears throat> through a cold email. I've gotten big guests, like the Shazam co-founder, on a cold email. I've, we were going to be on VentureBeat today as we're speaking for a client because of a cold email. It's just about stories. So and really from my perspective, sorry to interrupt, it was yeah. warm It was warm to me because I'm looking for guests. And right. so that's why it connected with me because I happen to be looking for guests, right? Right. Okay. So that's that's that, right? Like it's, it's if you can deliver that, like understanding, if I came at you with Henry, <clears throat> the way I would pitch you would be like, Henry, loved your episode with that crazy guy. I got, here's a lot of value out of it. Here's what I've done because of that episode, if you never need, if you ever need a, you know, a podcast guest based on this, here are my skill sets and here's, you know, add some social proof. So a cold, e a good cold email will always lead with personal. A lot of times we try to scale cold emails. That's the wrong way of doing it. Okay. I get and, this all the time too. And those right, are probably Henry? the ones I reject because what yes. you're describing there is you customize an email for me and what yes. I might be looking for. Exactly. That is it, right? And one of the tips I've given in the past is, I might look at your social media profiles, Henry, and I'll look at your Instagram because I, everybody looks on Twitter. I will stay away from Twitter. I might look at your Instagram. It's probably more personal. You have more pictures of your kids probably. You got a daughter who's in college. I'm gonna connect, try to figure out some things that I can connect with. Then I'm gonna say, I'm ready to send that email and then I'm gonna track it and do everything else. But I think people, when they think about cold emailing, they think about trying to sell too much and they don't think about like, well, how do I convince this person? How do I show that I did a little bit of research First and foremost, personalize it and then show social proof. So the way I would pitch you would be like, Henry, I'm a podcaster too. I've done 500 episodes, a little bit of social proof. I'm not this side podcaster. You know, we, we all know podcasters who start a podcast and the podcast is dead. I'm, I'm 500 episodes in. Here's my business. Here's some numbers. I don't want to make this public, but here's where we're at in terms of revenue. I'd love to inspire your audience about this and this and this and give you some talking points. And that's how I would pitch you. I love that. And I think that for our listeners, even if the whole scraping stuff got too technical there, 
that <laughs> you can still apply this and it might be a slow process, but to that end, let me ask you this, are there, do you help people with that, uh, your clients, or is there, is there those types of services out there for small business owners or do I need to go do it myself and spend the time to go gather those emails, crafty emails, the whole bit? Yeah, I mean, if you've got the budget, we can, you know, we can help you. I mean, that's not our main expertise. Right. Our main expertise right. is like App Store SEO, getting clients featured by Apple and PR, and then influencer marketing. So we've, we're, we do, we primarily market apps. That's what we do. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, no, no. Sorry, you want to take it somewhere else? Yeah, no, that's great takeaway there. And I think it's a tremendous tip and not something certainly I that I had really thought of. Uh, where I do want to take it is since you do have the background is in, in cost per click advertisement, whether it's sure. Google AdWords or Facebook. I just want your general thoughts on that as it applies to a small business. It seems to me like Facebook is getting me better traction these days. But again, that depends on your business. What are your thoughts overall on using that to advertise for a small business? Yes. Facebook is phenomenal. There's so much targeting that you can do in Facebook. If you're a small business and you are a local small business, you can pretty much like say, hmm, I can target these people, this age, in this area, boom, right? Like I would definitely use it. Facebook, I'm in love with it right now. And a couple of things I'm, I'm actually fascinated from an app perspective is musically. So figuring out underpriced platforms, because I do think social media is probably the the future of advertising. So definitely go on Facebook if you have a local business. If you're trying to get just traction and awareness for a brand and you're trying to reach the teenage market, I would look at Musical.ly very much so. And Henry, I'm going to leave this because most of your most of your listeners are small businesses. This is my favorite growth hack in everything. It's called using content marketing. You know, you and I are doing content marketing. We're in the form of a podcast. The best way to do content marketing is use a site called helpareporter.com helpareporter.com. What most people use it for is journalists are on there looking for sources. So you can get featured. We got featured. I got featured on entrepreneur before I even became a con contributor on because I used help a reporter. We got clients featured on fast company using help a reporter. That's the normal traditional way. The growth hack mentality is you become a source. All right. So if I was looking for people who, who who's your target market, Henry, who do you like to help? Small business owners, people starting or growing a very small business. Okay, perfect. So I'm looking for small business owners who are in their first year of business or who are doing this on the side and want to really turn it into a real business. I'm looking for this. I'm saying, this is the content I'm going to create. What is your best tip? Or maybe it's the first year. What is your best tip to help you take that leap? Or what is your first best tip? What's the biggest lesson you learned within your first year of business? What you're able to do then is say, I'm creating a blog post on Levante, on Levante, I'm going to businessgroup.com and, and you're sourcing all the content. So now you're, you're going after your target market, but sourcing, helping them find the content. So now there's going to be a ton of people. I've written a blog post about this too. I've written a ton of blog posts where I've done this exact strategy. And so they pitch you, you, you figure out, filter out which ones are the best tips and then you create the blog post out of it. And then you say, hey, thank you so much, Henry, for sharing this. Here's the blog post. I featured you on it. Boom, done. They're more likely to share. Then you're going to attract more people who then become your client. It's the craziest thing, Henry. Like I've reached out to people who like the podcasting thing. I've reached out to people who are like, 
got featured by Apple. I'm like, this guy's been featured by Apple so many times. I said, can you, can I interview you? And they come on I'm like, Steve, I didn't know you had an app marketing thing and they hired me. I'm like, well, I didn't even try to get you to hire me. I was just trying to learn from you because right. you got featured by Apple. Like that's all I'm trying to learn from. And so it's really, and with help a reporter, you can do exactly that. You can create really good content and you're sourcing from your target market. And by sourcing from them, you're attracting your target market, but also, you know, giving them SEO juice by linking to them. And they're more likely to share it because now you create a blog post where they're featured on LevanteBusinessGroup.com. Yeah, valuable takeaway. The only thing I want to go back to is Musical.ly. I didn't quite catch this. What is Musical.ly? Musical.ly is a platform that is it's sort of like a vine but they create music videos okay. too so okay. they can lip sync to it and teenagers are all over that and they've got like huge followings henry like okay. and you're saying use that as content to to uh run an ad on facebook or just for content on facebook or other platforms is that what you're that was a connection there oh i'm sorry so i was jumping too much so with facebook you know you can create your content like you just did right with the help a reporter and then run ads against whoever you want to target. Yep. So good case studies and then target different companies of those people. So if you're like, hey, I helped this company do SEO phenomenally well, you can target other similar companies and you know use Facebook for that. For Musical.ly, it was a completely new platform, completely uh, different strategy. Okay. I'm fascinated by it by from a brand awareness or app downloads. And I've been really using it to drive app downloads, especially games, because you know teenagers are perfect. For these games and i'm fascinated by that platform and paying influencers to talk about your game so that their audience goes and downloads it perfect okay thanks for clarifying that for me the, the other thing i have to imagine it comes back to when i had asked you the question about walmart and you said planning that for small business owners that's where i see them make a lot of mistakes is they'll dabble in it they'll kind of you know have a spurt and then nothing yeah. And I have to think that your thought is that it has to be planned and methodical for it to have effect. What's your thoughts on that? Yes and no. I mean, I, there, you know, I'm much more of a doer than a thinker. And I'll think about things. And I was like, okay, I've, I've thought about this for way too long. Let's go. Let's, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> so, That's my challenge. I overanalyze <laughs> things. And I, what I would say is you don't have to plan it all out. You just have to plan out the little bits and pieces. So, for example, I want to really get good with Facebook ads. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna try this small campaign because I know if I can get one sale out of this, I'll break even, right? Because my mentality has always been don't advertise. But now I'm like, okay, I need to use Facebook ads. So I've gone in there and I said, all right, I'm gonna do this. Here's my hunch. But I think people give up like, oh, this didn't work. Facebook ads are dumb. No, 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 like maybe you did something wrong. So like invest a little bit more time or take a course about Facebook ads and then go at it again and you're gonna find it. Right. Like I think for me, I remember in 2014, you know, John Lee Dumas was doing a lot of webinars. He's making a lot of money off of it. It's like, I got to do webinars. Like I do a lot of webinars. And I started thinking, how come I'm not doing phenomenally well from these webinars like John <laughs> did? Right. And then I was like, ah, webinars don't work for me. It just doesn't, I don't like to sell like that and blah, 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 blah. I did make, I just made all these excuses for myself. And then I just, this recently I said, all right, I'm going to shift my mindset. I'm going to trust what these guys are saying. I'm going to do it again. And I found my own voice through it. And enough repetitions, now webinars are a great source and something that I continually do every single, you know, I do it every other week, but I know it's a great source to build deeper relationships with people, to show people that I really am good at it. So I would say like, try a different strategy. You don't have to plan it all the way through. Try it, you know, iterate and then try again. Don't give up too soon. Yeah, I love that and agree with that completely. That's been my experience as well. 
All right, we'll start to wrap it up here, take a more personal turn. Let me ask you, what, what do you love most about what you do today? I love connecting with people. I'm, I found out that I always thought I was an introvert because I hated getting in front and talking of people. But then once I did, it, I was like, I actually love this thing. So I love connecting. Like that is it. I have pure joy today because I get to talk to a lot of different people and try to help them out and meet new people too. You never know what's going to happen after that. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. Well, you, we've touched on it, but will you give us the summary on what um, your company, AppMasters, what, what yeah. you offer for your clients and who your target clients are? Honestly, if you if you have an app out there or you want to get into the app space, I don't make apps, but if you're looking to get downloads or traction through your app for your app, you know, reach out to us. I'll help you and I'll give you some advice on things that have worked that I've sort of I've done without a budget, right? So I'll give you some I'm on a shoestring budget ideas and I'll give you some ideas if you do have a budget to help you grow downloads for your app. And again, the podcast is called the Mobile Growth Hacking Podcast. I found it on iTunes. Where else oh, cool. can we find it? It's, it's, it's everywhere, but if you just go to appmasters.co, you'll find everything you need there. Perfect. And then the blog has a lot yeah. of content as well. Where do we find that? It's just appmasters.co slash blog. Okay. But yeah, just go to appmasters.co if you want to learn anything more about me. Yep. Perfect. All right. Books. Is there a book that comes to mind that you've read that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah. So I would say for those who feel a little bit like they give. And I think most people fall in that bucket. Read a book called Give and Take. It's one of that I just recently finished and I love the book. Honestly, any I was reading it and I was like, the first part, I was like, I think I'm a taker. I think I'm a taker. But the <laughs> book is all about, you know, like what you're doing right now, what I've done is we give, we give, we give. And the best givers, the people on top here, here's a nut summary. The people on top who are very successful salespeople and the people at the very bottom are all are both givers what they were termed givers, but the really successful givers know how to systemize it. Like the, some of the things I've done is, you know, have calls on a certain day. So like I'm not continually giving against my own will. I'm giving in a way where it kind of suits me still. It helps me as well. So they learn to take a little bit. And I think that's what I've gotten better at is like, people are like, Hey, where do I do that? Steve? And I was like, well, I have a course, man. Like I can't just give away everything to you guys, <laughs> right? Like I'm showing you this stuff works. You can either figure it out like I did, or you can just buy my course. I can give you all this free information. So the best givers actually learn how to take a little bit too. Yeah. Strike a balance there between yes. the two. Great, great recommendation. We'll have a link to that in the show notes page for this episode. Oh, Henry, yes, sir. Another one. Yeah. I, I've been loving these guys, but Grant Cardone, be obsessed or be average. Really good book. I get. I suggest the audio book. I literally did this back in, that back to back, and I did the Ask Gary V back to back. Those guys will pump you up, and they'll make you think like they'll. They have this whole like different mentality than I think what other people are preaching. So rather than like focusing on the bottom line, like focus on the top line. Don't think about how do I not drink coffee anymore and try to save a hundred dollars a month. Figure out how to make a hundred dollars a month so you can drink all the coffee that you want. I think that's just a big shift in my. And the way I start thinking about things too. Yeah, it's avoiding that scarcity mentality instead yeah. of a growth mentality. Exactly. So that was be obsessed or be average. Yes, and then the Ask Gary Vee book. In the Ask Gary Vee book, yeah. I, I enjoy his podcasts as well. All right, making notes on that. We'll have all of those on the show notes page for our <laughs> listeners. All right, last uh, question, last parting Sorry. thought or piece of advice that you would like to share with our audience. I would say... Go out there, do it. I know it's cliche, but you got to do it. It is so true. I think if you're 
ever trying i think we live in the the greatest time right now and i think anybody can start a business just by learning so here's what i recommend to the listener if you wanted to if you're a side hustler or you're trying to grow your business just interview those who have done it and just build a platform and just learn from them and through that you'll build up an audience who learns and trusts you and then they'll come to you and you'll figure out the rest it will just come to you that's exactly what's happened to me and my call to action would be if you got anything out of this go to henry's site or email henry and say thank you so much for doing the podcast it's a lot of work so thank henry if you got anything out of this great stuff and i appreciate that and i i think you want everybody to go to appmaster.co.co to find out more about you and the business correct if you want to do that that's fine with me but i would prefer you go to henry and thank him i as appreciate well. that appreciate that <laughs> Either way, you're going to get connected to both of us. And on yes, the show notes page for this episode, we'll have all of the links for everything that we've talked about here. And so that's a good resource for, for both of you, for both of us um, and for our listeners. All right, we'll wrap it up, Steve. Thank you so much for taking the time, uh, sharing your knowledge. I could go on talking for a couple of hours, but you got places to go. And, and so we'll keep it at this. Thanks again for being with us today. Thanks, Henry. This is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.